This is Cover 2, a podcast on the Cleveland Browns. Hit! Browns are going to win! Mayfield, end zone, Landry, touchdown! With Dan Kadar and Browns beat writer Nate Ulrich of the Akron Beacon Journal and Ohio.com. With Steve Dorshuk from the Canton Repository. Hello everyone, welcome back to the Cover 2 podcast, a podcast on the Cleveland Browns here from the Akron Beacon Journal. This is Dan Kadar, joined by Browns beat writer Nate Ulrich. Nate, how have you been? Doing okay, how about you? Pretty good. We um, we have a window this week to record, so we, we wanted to. You were out on furlough last week. I thought I was, and I, I wasn't. Um, and I am next week, as it turns out. So uh, we, we have some time this week to record a short one, so that's what we're going to do. And we have a couple interesting things to talk about. Um, Nate was on Zoom calls with, with some Browns players, J.C. Treader and Jarvis Landry. We're going to talk about those a little bit. We're going to talk about this neat auction that the Browns are, are doing. Um, and I, I, I completely forgot to mention this before we started recording, Nate, but while you were off, there were these ridiculous, well, one of them was, well, not while you were off, these two ridiculous Browns stories, the James Harrison one and the, um, the Chris Sims one where he said the, the Seahawks offered Russell Wilson for a number one pick. Yeah. Uh, it, it, it just struck me like no matter what, like no ma- regardless of the time of year, which we've talked about before, there's always a Browns thing happening. No matter what's happening in the world, oh, it, it's totally right the ridiculous here. of it just doesn't go away, does it? No, it's been a full-time job through the entire pandemic. And, I mean, I'm grateful for that. You sure. Know, so many people losing work and everything. And we're dealing with our own furlough situations, Dan. But the Browns have kept me busy. They really have. Not to mention homeschooling and all that. My kids at home. And trying to keep my toddler alive. But, <laughs> yeah, uh, the Browns have, have just <laughs> been the nonstop news-making machine that they've always been. Uh, it really is remarkable. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And I wrote about the Harrison stuff because that – that jumped out at me and I, I got a comment from the from the Steelers and you know, it, it all played out from there. So that that's on our website. I did not write the Russell Wilson claim. Um, I don't know. I don't know the ins and outs of that. Um, you know, becoming, uh, you know, a legend or whatever, uh, whatever you want to call it, but Hugh Jackson, um, adamantly shot it down on a radio show saying he never heard anything of that sort had been discussed um so you know john dorsey and john snyder are friends who go back and and hugh jackson even said well you know maybe they kicked it around or anything but never rose to the level for the browns actually talking about it in their building is any kind of serious possibility right yeah it's just i just wanted to kind of illustrate how crazy it is that you know these these weird stories just never go away um but let, let's talk about a couple that aren't weird but the first one that was interesting to me nate was the jarvis landry one you guys got to talk to him 
recently and he had hip surgery in February and that that's a you know one of the big ones to get hip surgery and you know he's a guy who has been extremely durable not only since he's come to Cleveland but throughout his entire career I don't remember off the top of my head but I think he's played every game every year since he's been in the NFL yeah, every game. Uh, that's six seasons, 96 regular season games, and one playoff game for the Dolphins. So all 97. Yeah, so that's pretty impressive. But what did you take away from uh, his outlook on how his rehab's going? Because, again, that's a big injury, and it's a it's a very long rehab process. It is, and it was about this time last year when he really was diagnosed with, uh, you know, the problem that led to all the hip injuries. It was a... Uh, you know, a fracture and in, in, in a backbone and connected with the hip and all that. And um, he played through the entire season uh, dealing with it, you know, um, and was limited in practices from the spring all the way through the season, um, but pushed through it and was out there and put together a, a, a really nice season. Um, you know, as much as we talk about Odell Beckham Jr. didn't meet his expectations, Jarvis Landry really had a, a nice season all things considered and you know made the pro bowl so he did not want to have surgery uh in the off season he decided against it then he went and he played in the pro bowl i think it was january 26th dan um i always try to come up with these dates off the top of my head but it was late january for sure and when he was playing in that pro bowl uh-oh it started hurting hmm. he didn't like the way it felt and he just came to the realization after you know taking a few weeks off after the season to go out there and have that pain that he had which was really bad he knew like I can't play tough guy uh, in his words for another season Uh, I've got to get this taken care of so he did on February 4th have that hip surgery and he put it out a couple weeks later on social media I wrote a couple stories off it you know he did a big uh, interview um, with a marketing guy he works with and explained that he was looking at a, a return in August. Um, this is all before the, the concerns of COVID-19 had swept the United States. So, you know, we're thinking, okay, this you know, Jarvis had surgery and he's going to work hard to come back and he probably will make it back in time for the season based on everything he said and the kind of gutsy player he is, uh, dedicated professional he is. But, you know, then COVID-19 hits, and he's down in South Florida, and it just, it's complicated every facet of our lives, and so it's natural to uh, conclude and, and and accurately conclude that it would affect one's rehab, right? Sure. Facilities mm-hmm. aren't open, and, and, you know, so on and so forth. Access to medical professionals who would have hands-on, um, you know, rehab sessions with them wouldn't be as readily available. And so it was good to get an update from him this week. And he said, yeah, there were some challenges. And he has two young children. So um, like a lot of people, you know, he wanted to protect himself, protect his family, and and did the the quarantine thing for a month, really. And, um, you know, just kept in touch with the Browns and some guys on his uh, personal medical team um, who he hires apart from the team. And, you know, kept in touch with them and, and was able to get creative at home with, with some of the rehab stuff. And, and now, 
uh, more recently he's been training down there um, in South Florida at a facility um, in, in Deerfield Beach, Florida, and he has, uh, you know, been putting out some of the videos of the rehab and moving around pretty well, and uh, he's encouraged by it. He says he's a little bit of a little bit ahead of schedule despite some of the challenges uh, presented by the pandemic. So he's, you know, not predicting when he'll be back. He said he he can't he can't predict the exact time, but August is still his 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 target date, and, and that's his anticipated return date. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, none of us knows if this the NFL preseason or regular season schedules are going to hold up. Um, but Jarvis has his own that he's trying to be ready for. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know that august uh time frame you know whenever you talk about jarvis landry particularly now that he and odell beckham are both on the browns it you just automatically talk odell beckham a little bit because he's such a um personality and uh, noteworthy individual but and best friends yes yeah so let me let me run this past you and this might be my um late may off-season brain uh overthinking things but um you know nfl teams are always kind of known for having a number one wide receiver you know whether it's michael thomas in new orleans or julio jones in atlanta um you know stuff like that do you think at this point now that they're both on the same team is one of those guys the number one guy or is it a 1a 1b type of thing is it does it matter um, because I, I kind of think that, that Landry is the, at this point, the, the better of the two players. Well, he he's the better of the two players when it comes to availability. Mm-hmm. Like, we talked about, he's never missed a game. And we know Odell's missed, uh, you know, games here and there uh, with injuries. And, uh, you know, did not miss a game last year. And I think they motivated each other that way and they're motivating each other now in their rehabs obviously Odell playing through an injury all of last season as well uh, also dealing with something you know that, that, that popped up in uh, late you know spring early summer and uh, had that core muscle surgery this offseason in January so uh, who's one who's two who's 1A who's 1B I don't know last year and Landry ended up being 1A when you look at the production. He led the team in uh, receptions, receiving yards, uh, and uh, touchdown catches. But, you know, I I, I couldn't pick one um, right now, Dan. I mean, I think Odell is is the faster guy, the more explosive threat. Um, You know, Landry has his fair share of highlight reel-worthy plays, but, 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 nothing really compared to some of the crazy stuff we've seen Odell do. Um, but Landry's so tough mm-hmm. and, uh, Landry's made five consecutive pro bowls. And, uh, you know, I think sometimes writers who cover the team have a tendency, right? Odell Beckham Jr. And Jarvis Landry, like one's Batman, one's Robin. Well, I think you could just as well say Jarvis Landry and Odell Beckham Jr. So, I think those are interchangeable at this point, and I, I don't know if that's a satisfactory answer, but that's my answer. <laughs> sure. Well, it's it's good for May. Um, maybe we'll we'll have a more heated 
discussion about it uh, when football is actually back, assuming it does come back. And you also talked to J.C. Treader, who we haven't talked about a lot, but he is the new um, the, the president of the Players Association, right? Yeah. And um, that's a that's a huge huge deal, regardless of what's happening, but in particular now with with the coronavirus stuff going on. Does he seem optimistic that we're going to have NFL football this year in some fashion? He would not go there, which Mm. is interesting. I asked him that twice because he basically ignored me the first time. So I came back around and said, do you have any level of optimism about the chances of playing this season? And he said, I have no no, no percentage... Uh, you know, no, no level uh, for you. I'm, I'm living in two-week increments. Uh, I don't want to get in all these hypotheticals because I think you can become paralyzed by them um, with how fluid the situation is. So I thought it was really interesting. JC's a great guy to talk to. This was our first time as a group of Browns beat writers to talk to him since he, um, you know, won uh, the. Uh, NFLPA presidency in March, and I saw a notable shift in his approach. It was like when you talk to him about the Browns, he's J.C. Treader, Brown starting center, team leader, so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. When you talk to him about COVID-19 and league-wide issues uh, and how the union views him, he is a politician. He is. NFLPA president, and he's going to be very calculated and careful about what he says. I thought that was very interesting, just to see him kind of wear both those hats in one interview. And, you know, he knows us. We know him a little bit. I mean, it's been a couple of years he's been with the team. He recognizes us. He's used to talking to us. He's a, he's really, really insightful and a great quote. But, but on those issues, <laughs> those COVID-19 issues, he was totally – you know, in his new role as a prominent um, figure in this sport, and and he was playing close to the vest. He wasn't giving any inkling of "Yeah, I expect to play," um, because the, the league and the players are going to have to hammer out uh, an agreement about when it's time to return to work and what all of that is going to look like. And I, JC, I think it's natural to conclude, doesn't want to just say, like, yeah, I'm gung-ho, we're playing for sure, blah, blah, blah. Like, his stance is, we're going to sit back and make the right decisions for the players. Uh, we have time on our side. We're not in a rush to get anything done. We're a ways off from getting it done. And there's a long list of hurdles that we have to clear to come to that agreement to where we can return to work comfortably. So I thought it was very interesting, and he really had some uh, some good quotes, uh, even though he wasn't revealing <laughs> his personal thoughts about whether this season is going to unfold and, and what it'll look like. And one of those was that uh, you know the virus is not going to kneel down to Almighty Football. Yeah, that was a good line, and it, it it's obviously extremely true. And uh, it, it's going to be interesting. I'm, I'm sure you'll you'll get to talk to him again way before the season about non-Brown stuff, I would guess. Um, 
because that you know as we're seeing with all these other sports that are starting to come back particularly baseball you know the players can push back a little bit and um, some of them are are justifiably concerned about returning to work so uh, it's it's you know it's another layer to um, Browns fandom for for our listeners and Browns viewers out there that the starting center is the president of the NFL Players Association. It's 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 a fascinating thing. Yeah, and it just goes to what you said earlier about the Browns are constantly in the news, constantly making stories. Right. They have all these big personalities, high profile celebrity athletes on the team, and now they have the NFLPA president playing on the offensive line. So like, right. All of a sudden, his profile and what he says uh is is going to be newsworthy every single time when it's about you know one of these league-wide issues and uh you know just add him to the long list of newsmakers on the roster also um you know i thought it was interesting that he said that you know the the, they're holding the union is they're holding bi-weekly conference calls with um not only players but players' wives. Hmm. So when you're talking about people being concerned about going back to work, getting on the field and all that, those are the kinds of things they're discussing. And, you know, Roger Goodell in a memo that he sent to the teams last week expressed some, expressed some optimism that coaches would be able to come back to the building soon because that hasn't happened yet. Yeah, they've reopened some facilities. The Browns are still working remotely, but the league has allowed teams to reopen facilities. And, um, you know, as long as the state and local governments uh, per- permit it. And and so um, even though that's taking place, coaches and players aren't back, right? And that's the big newsworthy thing. When are coaches and players going to be back? And, and Goodell expressed optimism coaches soon and said he thinks that even some players could come back in June, depending on, you know, what the league and the, the NFLPA are working on right now. And and, and Treader was asked about players, or about Goodell uh, kind of mentioning June as a possibility. And Treader said, well, that's why we have a union. Like, they're not just going to go back in June unless they feel comfortable and want to and things are in order and, and they agree to the conditions that, um, you know, are going to put in, be put in place for them to come back. Yeah, it's, it's, it's really going to be something. And, you know, obviously we'll have more, more thoughts on that and, and coverage of it as, as the news kind of develops with that stuff. I mean, well, we'll see. Everything's still in a waiting pattern, really. Um, but one of the, one of the great things that, that is coming out of this, if you, if you can find some rays of sunlight, the Browns are uh, involving themselves in this this fundraiser, which Nate wrote about today over at beaconjournal.com slash browns, and it's part of the all-in challenge. It's Kevin Stefanski, their, their new head coach, and Bernie Kosar, the all-time great quarterback for the Browns. Um, really briefly, basically, they're, they're doing a auction and a sweepstakes for the one Stefanski's doing. And Bernie's is um, an auction. And briefly, Bernie's is uh, you and some guests, if you win, you can go watch a game with Bernie at First Energy Stadium and with Michael Simon, and he will cook for you afterward. Michael Simon will. I don't know if Bernie will. Maybe. Who knows? 
Um, in the other one, Stefanski's, you can win an auction or you can win a sweepstakes and you can help call 15 preseason plays, um, which is extremely interesting to me. But Nate, if you had to win one of these two things, which one would you want to win? definitely want to win any any way that michael simon would feed me that's what i'm going for (laughs) i thought you might say that um i think i would go the play calling one and here's why you remember how like when freddie kitchens got named the head coach of the browns we talked about oh yeah he he got to call plays in uh, the one preseason game and he really kind of turned people's heads yeah, Lions game. That could be me. Their preseason finale, yeah. Could yeah. Be. <laughs> so, right. Hey, uh, you know, Kevin Stefanski, uh, you, you better uh, you better get off to a pretty good start here because Dan Kadar's waiting in the wings after uh, scripting some plays with you. That's right. I mean, look, I can go to B-Spot whenever I want. Um, I can watch Michael Simon on, on social media or the Food Network. Uh, whenever I want, but I can only call Browns plays if I turn on Madden, and Madden's garbage now, so this could okay. be my chance. True. All right, here's my argument for Michael Simon. Sure. When you go to B-Spot or Lola on the rare occasion for me, because, you know, I'm not <laughs> a millionaire, but sure. uh, not it's yet. a special occasion place. Uh, what else? Uh, Mabel's? Yeah. Um, these are great places, and when you go, the food is... I've had great experiences, and my and all of my experiences of food has been great. Mm-hmm. Same. But Michael Simon's not sitting there in, in the kitchen on on those particular days That's making true. the food. That's true. So although you've had his food, his recipes, his restaurant, people he hires, and everything, I just I think it would be at a different level. And so I'm 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 going with Michael Simon. Hmm. Well. All right, well, I guess we'll agree to disagree on this last topic then. <laughs> um, Nate, you got anything else before us before we get out of here on, on well, the Well, I just want to say, you know, on this subject, Jimmy and Dee Haslam donated like $1.5 million early yes. on mm-hmm. to COVID-19 relief. The Browns turned their um, jersey unveiling into a COVID-19 relief fundraiser with proceeds uh, going to... Uh, relief funds several players have done their own you know donations and campaigns um you know baker mayfield larry ogunjobi miles garrett jarvis landry um other guys i'm sure i'm forgetting but you know off the top of my head those are some and you know now they're doing this um you know with the the scripting the preseason plays and and you know the bernie and the michael simon uh prize package i just think it's so cool that you know they have consistently um, been coming up with creative ideas to get fans excited get them engaged and and to contribute to a good cause so um you know that's what all you know teams and pro athletes who had the platform and who had the means to to do these kind of things should do Uh, i just think the browns have handled it really well though yeah i agree well said um, so that, that's going to do it here on the Cover 2 podcast this week. Again, we'll be off again next week, and we'll see the week after that. kind of depends at this point of the year, you know, what's going on in, in the news cycle for the Browns. So 
it, it might be touch and go for a little bit, but we'll see. Um, that's going to do it. Again, you can find all of Nate's stuff over at beaconjournal.com slash browns. Also there, uh, Marla Ridenauer has a fun story up that's uh, there right now. Steve Dorshuk talked to B.J. Goodson, the new Browns linebacker, um, and that's a position of, of uh, interest, I guess you would say, this offseason for the Browns. So check that out again, beaconjournal.com slash browns. Make sure you're following Nate on Twitter. He's at by Nate Ulrich. And that's going to do it for our podcast this week. Thanks, everybody, for listening. We'll talk to you next time.